The Old Testament of our Bible is sometimes daunting. Scan the pages of the good book and you will hear of genocide, violence, polygamy, and other hard-to-handle issues. Some might think the God of the Old Testament was different than our caring and compassionate Jesus. They are wrong. Our God is the God of the Old and the New Testament, whether we always understand it or not. So why read the Old Testament? It tells us where we've been, it tells us where we're going. We see the beauty of God's love, and it swells with prophecies about Jesus. We love the Old Testament because Jesus loves it. Join us as we continue our ongoing series, Origins, Studying the Bible Jesus Read. Yes, Miss Dorothy did a great job on that video. She's like, why did you pick me? What's, the, what's your angle? And I'm like, did you hear you say, it swells? <laughs> Her voice is gorgeous. Uh, so, so stoked to have Miss Dorothy uh, do that for us. Uh, today, we're going to be in our Bibles in the book of Ruth. And um, what I'm going to tell you is we're going to be Ruth 1. And so what I want you to do is if you have a Bible... Um, I want you to take it out. If you don't, we have Bible Bibles uh, over there. There we go. We have Bibles available there. If you want to like open your phone up and pretend you have a Bible, no one's going to judge you. Um, but what I want everyone to do is I want everyone to turn to the front of their Bible, so the table of contents. And I want you to look for Ruth there. And I don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable because they don't know where Ruth is in the Bible. Um, so look in, everybody go to the front, go to the table of contents. Um, it's going to be after the book of Judges and before the book of Samuel, and there you will find the book of Ruth. And uh, just a reminder, we have lots of kids in the back. We have some kids that are going to be hanging around in here, and we just say a crying church ain't a dying church, and if that girl comes too close to me, I'm going to pick her up and preach with her. I'm going to hold her because she's so cute right now. Um, just people listening to the podcast are like, what is going on, man? Buenos dias. Si necesita escuchar el sermón en español. Tenemos dispositivos de traducción para usted al costado de la sala. Okay, so today we are in Ruth 1. And uh, we're going to spend three weeks in Ruth. Uh, I was really intimidated to do the book of Ruth. Um, and I'm actually now really excited to, to talk to you about it and, and what God's teaching me. Um, it's going to be, once again, uh, we're going to be reading a lot. And um, you guys ready? This is Ruth 1. During the time of the judges, there was a famine in the land. A man left Bethlehem in Judah with his wife and two sons to stay in the territory of Moab for a while. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. The names of his two sons were Mahlon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They entered the fields of Moab and settled there. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, died, and she was left with her two sons. Her sons took Moabite women as their wives. One was named Orpah, and the second was named Ruth. Now, the sadness, friends, I'm going to continue, but I just take a break here and say the sadness of losing Elimelech 
subsides, and Naomi's two boys get married. That's a good thing, right? Um, but the Jewish readers of this would have been like, what just happened? Like, they would not have been happy with what they just read, okay? Because God had said, A, you are going to marry Jewish people. And so there was this time when if you were a follower of Yahweh, you were going to marry someone who was a follower of Yahweh. And there's a God of the Moabite people. Uh, I th- I'm going to say it wrong. It's like Chemesh. Um, I, want, I only remember it as like Chamoy, and I know that's wrong. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, is they did not marry someone that was okay in the books of, um, of Jewish uh, custom. And so this would have felt like a disaster to anyone reading this story. So you're like, oh, they got remarried. This is awesome, right? It's not necessarily like considered a good thing by the, the readers of the time. Um, so let me continue. After they lived in Moab about t- 10 years, both Machan and Chilion also died. And Naomi was left with her two children and without her husband. She and her daughters-in-law set out to return from the territory of Moab because she had heard in Moab that the Lord had paid attention to his people's need by providing them food. She left the place where she had been living, accompanied by her two daughters-in-law, and traveled along the road leading back to the land of Judah. Oh, yeah, we probably can't have her grab those cables. (laughs) I don't want you grabbing those cables, girl. She is so cute. Hey, Hey, you bring her every week. I love her being here. I love her being here. I'm serious. Um, So she left the place where she had been living, accompanied by her two daughters-in-law, and traveled along the road leading back to the land of Judah. Naomi said to each of them, Each of you go back to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to the dead and to me. May the Lord grant each of you rest in the house of a new husband. She kissed them, and they wept loudly. They said to her, we insist on returning to you and your people. But Naomi replied, hey, return home, my daughters. Why do you want to go with me? Am I able to have any more sons that could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. Go, for I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me to have a husband tonight and to bear sons, would you be willing to wait for them to grow up? Would you restrain yourselves from remarrying? No, my daughters, my life is much too bitter for you to share because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Again, they wept loudly, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Follow your sister-in-law. But Ruth replied, hey, don't plead with me to abandon you or to return and not follow you, for wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me and do so severely if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped talking to her. The two of them traveled until they came to Bethlehem. When they entered Bethlehem, the whole town was excited with their arrival, and the local women explained, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, she answered, for the Almighty has been very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has opposed me and the Almighty has afflicted me? Now, friends, let me stop here just for another second. What does it look like to be a widow in ancient times where you don't have a family structure? This means death, friends. This means loneliness. There's no social security to take care of you. There are laws about what you can and can't do, but this is, this is a, a, a death for her. A time when people did as they pleased and they didn't follow God. That's, that's what we know about this time of judges. This is when people did what they thought they should do, which means to be a widow meant hunger 
meant homelessness and often meant death. To be a widow in the ancient world was terrifying, and without her sons, that was her backup plan. Her hope was lost. Verse 22, So Naomi came back from the territory of Moab with her daughter-in-law, Ruth, the Moabitess. They arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the har- not harley, of the barley harvest. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we thank you for the hope that you bring us this morning. But today, I want to pray um, for those in our midst that are our moms, that you would bless them. God, I pray for your blessing on our single moms. God, I pray for your blessing on those who have had abortions. God, I pray your blessing on those who want to be pregnant but just can't. God, I pray for those who desire marriage this morning that, can, that have not had that happen yet. God, I pray for those who were abused by their moms, that you would bless and encourage them. For those who never knew their moms, that you would bless and encouragement. For those who've lost their moms, God, I pray that you would wrap around them and feel close. God, there's so much pain in this room, and there's joy as well. God, would you help us to wrap our brains around what it means to celebrate and grieve on this day? For those of us who've had good, that we would have joy. Those of us who had bad, that we would be okay sitting in our struggle. Please teach us from your word today. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. All right, friends, so the book of Ruth is what, where we're going today. And the book of Ruth was most likely written by this prophet whose name was Samuel. It was written during a time when leaders called uh, judges ruled over Israel. But the judges were more like almost like military leaders. Um, and uh, they were better than nothing, but they were still quite imperfect. But the people turned away from God, and the Bible says they did just as uh, they thought, what was right in their eyes. The people were only doing what was right in their own eyes. They didn't really know what to do. They didn't know it was okay. Um, it's the time between the death of Joshua. So if you know Joshua in the Bible, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. You can sing that in your head. Um, uh, that was the guy that came after Moses, right? And it was the time before Saul became king, that first king who didn't turn out real great. Um, Saul was the king before King David. So just giving you a little context of what's happening. Um, so today for you, I have two points on suffering. Um, two points on suffering. Happy Mother's Day! <laughs> two points on suffering. Um, it's just, it's, this is a mixed bag today, isn't it? For a lot of us, it's just a mixed bag. And I hate it when I go to a place and everybody's like, hey, let's just all be happy. You know, like God's good, so we should always be happy. And it's like, well, uh, I don't know necessarily if that's like the way we respond. I mean, we talk about what joy is. Joy is where we find comfort in pain. Happiness is just whatever happens to you. So like, yay, something good happened. It's, it's based on that English word happenstance, whatever just happens. But here we're talking about true joy that is found in the midst of serious pain, serious sorrow. Why did I pick this for Mother's Day? Because it's just painful for a lot of us. Yeah. And so I thought, let's go with something painful. Um, so there we go. Um, so uh, my first point for you today is this. Struggling people don't need speeches. They need presence. Struggling people don't need speeches. They need presence. So in verse 8, Naomi said to them, Each of you go back to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to the dead and to me. May the Lord grant each of you rest in the house of a new husband. She kissed them and wept loudly. They said to her, We insist on returning with you to your people. But Naomi replied, Hey, return home, my daughters. Why do you want to go with me? Am I able to go get more sons? And then skipping down on, uh, skipping down just uh, to the end of verse 13, know my daughters, my life is much too bitter for you to share because the Lord's hand has turned against me. 
So Naomi has lost all of her protectors at this point and providers. And, 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 and while, while we can say like, oh man, this is kind of a male-dominated book, it's because it was a male-dominated society, wasn't it? This was our society, and this is what it was. So you have Orpah, which by the way, I just want to say, Oprah's name is based on Orpah, and it's a misspelling, like her mom misspelled it, and that's where we get the name Oprah. There you go, so the more you know. Um, but Orpah and Ruth, uh, they can remarry, but they've chosen to stick with Naomi at this point. And just a reminder, crying church ain't a dying church. If we don't have kids crying in this church, we, that means that our church is dying, okay? So we love kids. We embrace them. Bring your kids. Um, yeah. So they've chosen to be widows instead of remarry. In her sadness, though, Naomi officially releases them. She says, hey, I understand what you're saying, but you can go. It's okay. Like, I get it. You can just go. Naomi's struggling so much that she wants to change her name to bitterness, which is crazy because what's Naomi's name? It means pleasant. Naomi's name means pleasant. It's like my daughter Faith wanting to change her name to doubt. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine going to Starbucks? Hey, uh, I have Americano for uh, doubt. <laughs> Caramel Frappuccino for bitterness. Who is it? Naomi has felt such rough pain that she is causing it to feel like it's her identity at this point. And friends, pain is not your identity. Pain is not your identity. Your relationship to your father who loves you in heaven is where your identity lies. But so many of us have felt so much pain, so much sorrow, so much hurt that we tend to say, this is who we are. This is who I've become. And and that's not the way God sees us. We know most good things are forged in struggle and pain. That doesn't mean that we have to like it. And in this case, Naomi just decides she's going to fully embrace the pain. Now, for those of you today who are struggling with drug abuse, physical abuse, mental illness, pain, you will have ministry to other people if you come out on the other side. And I encourage you to stick with us and come out on the other side. Because you've dealt with things others could not understand. God can use you on the other end of the struggle in the same way that he can use our friends here in the word. When you are present with people, it's going to mean more because you have suffered the way they are now presently suffering. So just to know that you're listening means the world to those who suffer. And to those who suffer, they know you understand. Now you guys know that I'm a social dude. Like if you know me, you know I'm a social dude. You can already tell some of my ADD is apparent in that I just want to go talk to everybody because I love people. Like when I go to sleep, I miss people. You know, Like, like when I wake up, I'm like, gosh, it's been so long since I've been around people. You know, I need my batteries recharged. But let me tell you, there was a time when my appendix burst. And I became what you would call septic, where I, was, I had like the highest level of infection you could have. And I was in the hospital, and uh, I needed the room dark. Like it was so bad that I had to have the lights off in the room. And all these people who knew me would come into the hospital, and they'd be like, Dale, what's up? How are you doing? And I just remember like, no, you need to leave. Like I, it, was, it was so crazy because I was so sick that when someone spoke too loud to me, it would cause me to feel nauseous. When someone bumped my bed, when they were just coming in to say hi, it would cause me to feel nauseous. Um, when someone put on like one of my favorite movies, like Braveheart, like, which I should love, it caused me to feel nauseous. And so here I was in the hospital, and I was struggling, and I love people, and my wife would try and put on music for me. I'm like, no, no music. That's, if you know me, no music. Like, what the heck is going on? And, and, and the only thing my wife could do is she could come and sit That's all she could do. She could sit in the room with me. That was the only way anyone could comfort me, is to just be there. And sometimes that meant that I was crying. 
uh, or like moaning or whining. Um, and she would just be present. Not like, hey, how can I fix this? Do you want me to call a nurse? Do you want to, shh, shh, shh just be here. So what that meant is um, about seven years ago, my wife did like almost all of our taxes <laughs> in my hospital room because she just had the time to just be there and sit. But that was the kind of care that I needed in my suffering. And friends, I say to you that there's going to be a time when you are called to be a comforter to someone else. And here in this time, they're not going to need a speech. They're not going to need a, hey, bitterness is really lame. You shouldn't put your identity in that. You should really put your identity in Jesus. Maybe at that time what they need is presence and care and compassion. And sometimes compassion just means presence. In Romans 12, 15, it says to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. So in the midst of this great suffering, it is time for Naomi to finally go home. Maybe she'll find someone who can help her when she goes back to Bethlehem. But if either Moabite woman follows her, they're not going home anymore, are they? Actually, they're going to someplace new. They're going to someplace foreign. They're not going home if they follow her. Now, Orpah, she offers to stay, doesn't she? But she ultimately leaves. I, I think there's a little bit of that, hey, if there's anything I can do, you know, have you ever had anyone that says that to you? Like, hey, I'd love to help out. Just let me know, you know. That's kind of what it feels to me, like or what Orpah's doing. Um, other people have said, Orpah's just following commands. Like her mother-in-law said, hey, you need to go. And she said, okay, well, I'll do what you tell me. Um, but I, I, personally, when I read it, I think that Orpah's kind of given a little bit of a, yeah, 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 I'll follow you. Hey, hey, no, it's cool. I'll definitely come with you. But it reminds me of like what happens at my house in the middle of the night. Like it'll be like dead silent in the middle of the night and you'll hear that noise. I don't know. Maybe this is only for parents, but you'll hear the, Ugh! and I don't know about you, but like just hearing that noise like causes me to gag. Like I hear the noise. I hear just one of my kids do that noise and my instant like gag reflex comes out. I don't know if anybody else is like me, but I have a great sense of smell. And I just think, you know, mm, I, hear, I hear that and I just, so it's at that point that something happens in my wife and my wife becomes like a superhero where she goes out and it's like, oh, you were having flaming Hot Cheetos. Okay, well, we're going to work through this. That stuff dyes your carpet, by the way. Um, and so there was this moment, this last time that that happened where, yes, the flaming Hot Cheetos were all over the hall and it's one of those, go to the toilet, go to the toilet, go to the toilet. What, what, blah, 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 go to the, go, 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 go to the toilet. And here I am and I'm like there and I'm like, I want to help, but I'm also like, okay, I'll be honest, like I actually shut the door <laughs> to our bedroom. <laughs> I shut the door and I like went as far back into the corner of our bedroom as I could and I'd be like, honey, if you need anything, <laughs> do you need something? Do you need something? And my wife comes, comes back out after some like scrubbing and stuff. And hey, this is my sin that I am telling you guys about, okay? I'm not telling you this is what you should do. I'm telling you this is what I did. And it's at that moment that um, my wife comes in. She's like, why aren't you helping? And I'm like, close the door. <laughs> close the door. I can smell it. And she's like, why aren't you helping me? And I'm like, hey, girl, I was calling at you. Hey, you need anything? You, you want some help? So that's what I was doing. And at the same time, you know, my wife was like, really? Really were you calling for me? No, because Orpah was my role model here. Because I really didn't want to help. And this is what Orpah's doing. And, and I'm pretty sure that Naomi probably feels that a little bit. Like, hey, I'll go with you. And she's like, just go. Like, we know you're going to go back. Just go. Move on. And here, and the, the way you can tell the difference is, is there's a, a, quite a difference in posture, isn't there? There's a difference between Orpah and uh, her sister-in-law. 
And when you, when you truly are there in the thick of it, you don't just kinda, you're not just kind of in there. It's not just kind of like, hey, I know you're really working through this. I just want you to know that you can totally email me. Like, that's not how we talk to people who are struggling, is it? Hey, you got my email. No, this is a, hey, we want you to know that we're truly there for you. However we can be there for you. Do you need to go out? Do you need to do something? Can we help? And friends, we're all going to fail at this. We're often going to be more Orpah than anything. But for those of you who find yourself in the place of Naomi, we ask that you forgive us when we don't reach out to you enough. And for those of us who find ourselves being more like Orpah, let's see how God can change and challenge us to be there for people and not necessarily preach at them, but to be there with them because ultimately we love them. Now, while Orpah decided to pursue her own dreams, which is okay because Naomi told her to, so I'm not here to, to bash on Orpah, but Ruth decided to stay. What a commitment she has made. She is leaving everything she knows, and that is our second point, second of two, which is spiritual family is thicker than blood. Spiritual family is thicker than blood. Now, verse 16, Ruth replied, don't plead with me to abandon you or to return and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me and do so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped talking to her. I wish I could figure out what this meant. Like, did she just get quiet and like, all right. Did she not even say, all right? Did she just keep walking and like, well, I guess she's coming. Like, I, it's funny to me. I think the Bible is funny at times. Like, it doesn't actually say, like, she embraced her and said, okay, honey, let's go. This is going to be great. Like, hop on the camel. No, it's just, all right. So I think it's funny. I don't know. When you read the Bible, like, I think God has a great sense of humor. But here's the thing. You guys know the term blood is thicker than water? Have anyone heard that? Do you guys know what that means? I don't think that everybody actually knows what it was originally meant to say. Because blood is thicker than water, something that I've always known it as means family is more important than anything else. However, this is a, a really old term. And now the earliest time we have this term written in, on paper in a book is in 1737 in Alan Ramsey's book of Scottish Proverbs. And what it's explained in this book in 1737 is that those who fight together those who are in battle side by side one another, those who fight against something else and shed their blood in fighting. Now, I bet like maybe some of our Marines and Navy and stuff might actually know what this means, but those who fight side by side, that is thicker than water. That is thicker than DNA. So it's an interesting term because we have, I don't know about you guys, but I always thought it meant family is more important than everybody else. And here it's saying your family is those who you bleed with which is an interesting translation here. So I tell you, church, we are a family, and we're a family that's forged in battle. We grieve together. We suffer together. We fight the devil together. If that's weird for you, um, I'll just say uh, we believe that. So we endure disease together, physical and mental illness. The church family is forged in blood, and it's true love. And it's there that we can find true family and true loyalty. Now, North African bishop Cyprian of Carthage, he said this, he who does not have the church for his mother cannot have God for his father. Can I say that again? This is about 250, uh, 250 AD. He who does not have the church for his mother cannot have God for his father. Now, how much did Cyprian truly believe this? 
Because for me, like, when I see, like, a big quote, you know, like, I can make a big quote. Like, I can make something that sounds cool, put it up there, and be like, oh, let's care for everybody. And then you're like, well, did he really? Here's how I know Cyprian, like, backed this up. So there was a time when um, being an actor meant uh, that you would, uh, how can I put this? Being an actor in Rome, ancient Rome, meant that you were going to do a few things. One is you were going to do like, uh, stuff that like, involved worshiping idols in your place, okay? Something that would have been pretty uh, disrespectful to God. Also, I know this sounds crazy, but theater used to be very sexual, unlike today. Um, unlike our movies and stuff, which are all super clean, take our kids to it. Um, but so at the time, what would happen is you'd have an actor, right, who is uh, uh, dedicating their plays to pagan gods, and they're doing nasty physical stuff in their place, and they would become a Christian. And, and what would happen is, is they would lose their, uh, their, their finances, would instantly go away when the church would say, hey, so you're going to keep doing that? And they would say, no, we're done. Well, what happens when you lose all your finances and you go to the church? Well, here is where Cyprian put his money where his mouth was. Now, we had this dude, um, we have this written down. Physically, it's been written. So we have the letters between the churches where um, there's this dude, uh, I'm going to get his name right. Uh, there was once an actor named Marcus, and he was saved and became a Christian. And it was in a place called Thena, very small uh, town. It's not like he could just go get another job really easily. Um, and so he had this idea, hey, maybe I could open up an acting school. Because then, you know, I'm not actually doing all the nasty stuff, but I'm teaching people how to act. And they said, hey, man, I, I don't know if that's going to work out. Well, he's like, so what do I do? I, I believe in the church. I believe God is the way. What do I do? So um, his pastor said, let me talk to Cyprian, because Cyprian's my bishop. So I'll go to Cyprian. So Cyprian sends him a letter and says, hey, what you have to do is he's your family now. And so you have to provide his clothes, for his food, and everything else. Um, he says, take care of him with food and clothing. And if your small church, oh, wait, I got to tell you, this is a paraphrase I wrote down. It's a long letter and it's like hard to read. So I paraphrased it, okay? Uh, that would have been weird if you're like, in 250 AD, he said this. Um, so he says this, he says, take care of him with food and clothing. And if your small church in the sticks can't handle him, send him to the city and we'll take care of all his needs. So not only did they believe that church was a family, but they said, if you can't do it, your extended family here is going to take on that dude. And we're going to help him, and we're going to provide for him. What an amazing view of church. Now, I will tell you, our budget doesn't necessarily include that we can do that for y'all. Um, so if you guys are famous actors in here, I don't know if we can provide for you uh, to live at the same lifestyle that you have lived. Um, but I will say this. This was true, loyal, family love that comes from struggle. That in this man's struggle, the church came alongside him and said, you, you confess Jesus, man, we're with you. Which is so funny, because isn't it different than the way we look at the church out there? It's like, hey, you need to make sure that you provide for the church. And, and, and I'm not saying you shouldn't, because, you know, like, I really like to be able to be a pastor that doesn't have to have three jobs. I appreciate that you provide for the church, but when there's struggle, when there's pain, how much better is it when the church can come alongside you? and act as a true, loving family. And that's what we're seeing here. Now, there's a special name for this kind of love. The special name for this kind of love that is used in this Old Testament scripture. It's called hesed. I think it's probably more like chesed, but I'm just going to say hesed, okay? Now, this guy uh, uh, says that um, Naomi represents, this guy Robert Hubbard, he says, Naomi represents one who does the ordinary, who does the, ordinary the expected, 
There's nothing wrong with her conduct except that she is not Hesed. By contrast, Ruth represents one who does the extraordinary, the unexpected. She was not not content to rejoin her Moabite family, remarry, and live as her contemporaries would. Her commitment was to Naomi's people and God, even in the afterlife, because Hesed is loyal love, loyal love. Now, here's here's the thing. Um, My goal as a pastor is for you guys to love each other so much is that you guys would come alongside for each other and care for each other so much. So much so that my goal is that like there's, t- there's parties I'm not invited to that you guys are hanging out. And that just gives me so much joy. So much so that um, we've had people leave this church and they're in the same church together. And I'm like, that's a win. That's a win. They're together still. They're united. It's a beautiful thing. If I... So like every time I'm sick, I think about what would happen if I died. I don't know if anybody else is weird like that. Um, every time I like turn like too hard on the 805 and I see over the edge of the 94 merge from the 5, I like think like what if I weren't around? What would happen? And I, I pray that if I were not around tomorrow that this church would love each other so well. It would be so unnecessary that I would be here. Now I hope that I have something to give to this church. But if you guys surrounded each other and loved each other no matter what, that would bring me great joy. All right. We will. What do you mean? Like, you sure that's happening? <laughs> now, now, some of you have actually said no to your family to follow Jesus. I think, um, I think of those in our, in our family here who've grown up in Catholic families that went to Catholic church. Um, I think of those who have ever been to black church, for those who have ever been to white church, or those who have been in a Filipino congregation or Hispanic church. You, you who are here that call this home have chosen a multi-ethnic church as an act of loyal love that transcends ancestral commonality. For many of you, joining with our church has meant rejection of some in your family. And I will just say, I have learned from some of my Hispanic friends to say no to the Catholic church is to say no to your family. And, and I'm not even going to tell you that I think like Catholics are all bad or anything like that. I'm just saying those who have chosen to come here and be with us, I know at times it feels like you're rejecting something to follow something. And I tell you that none of us take that lightly. And that's why we say you are welcome and we have loyal love for you in the same way. Naomi and Ruth are truly actually a multi-ethnic or at least a multicultural family, just like us in the same way. Now we know that loyalty is not the biggest thing anymore in our culture, right? Like you're loyal to your favorite store, right? Like we were loyal to our favorite store, right? Like you had your place. I had my place where I would buy my CDs. I called it Circuit City. And I was loyal to Circuit City until, you know, prices got better on Amazon and I got more lazy. And then I was no longer loyal to Circuit City. In the same way, we have been loyal to lots of stores, lots of companies, lots of our favorite restaurants till that time we got sick, lots of things. But really, that's not like said kind of loyalty. That's loyalty that runs out when something better comes along. Here, there's a family that has chosen to be in uh, true has said love, whatever the circumstances. And the circumstances here are like, hey, I'm on a, it might not work out. We might die. That's, that's some serious has said loyalty, serious has said love. Now, in the same way, we do the same thing with marriage, don't we? People make a commitment for the rest of their life to be married. And I'm not going to talk to you guys about who's been abused. I'm not talking about people who've had Um, people cheat on you. And those of you who have even done what I'm describing, no one's mad at you, okay? But if you look at the people on TV, they say, we just fell out of love. That's such a cop-out. 
Like, I'm not talking about abuse. You should never stay in an abusive situation. But I'm talking about famous couples who said they fell out of love, who drifted apart, who decided to uncouple. Um, that's not said, is it? said is looking at the other person and saying, there's a lot about you that sucks. But I'm going to choose to love you and serve you and care for you anyway. I have learned that love is not a feeling. Feelings come and go. I had some serious feelings for my wife. And I'm just going to be like honest, before we're married, like those are really confused with like how hot I thought she was and all these other things like that were intertwined with like true said love. But feelings come and go. Some of the feelings that we have are sinful. Man, sometimes I just feel lazy. But do I, do I engage that? For my Christians, you will have people around you that constantly tell you to trust your feelings over the word of God. And that's sin. And that's in all of us, okay? Love. True has said love is loyalty and true loyal love as an action, as a choice. I am choosing to love you despite you. But friends, I'm, just, I'm not just talking about marriage. I'm talking about the church. Love is choosing his, to has said the people around you, even though they are going to screw up and sometimes get it wrong. Let me say this very clearly. The people in this room are going to do the worst things to you. Not on purpose, and some of them on purpose. And you'll have to decide, do I choose loyal love anyway? Do I choose to love these people even though they don't always deserve it? And I tell you, yes, because the other option, the other option is being like Dwight Schrute from The Office. I'm going I'm to just quote you Dwight Schrute from The Office. He says this, would I ever leave this company? Look, I'm all about loyalty. In fact, I feel like part of what I'm being paid for here is my loyalty. But if there's somewhere else that valued loyalty more highly, well, I'm going where they value loyalty the most. Don't we do that? But no, God, no. And we can't be like that, can we? Because true loyalty um, has to come first from God. We experience true loyalty from God because we reject him all the time, don't we? Every day we say, hey, I'm going to go my own way. But God has true loyalty to us. Proverbs 3, 3 says this, Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Friends, true has said love can be found only in Jesus. Because we have opposed God. We told him he's stupid. We told him we know better, and he still loved us. Such loyalty began with him. And this is the gospel, friends. The gospel is this. There's nothing we, we have done to deserve the love of God. In his perfection, he left heaven and came to this earth and lived as a perfect sacrifice for us. Why did he do this? Gosh, I still don't know. Um, that song we just sang, don't know why, but he's faithful. I don't know why. I don't know why he chose us. I don't know why when we gave the royal middle finger to God did he say, you know what, I like these guys. When we said, you know what, F you, God, and he said, all right, I'm going to do something for this. Like, like, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Like, we constantly, and you know what else? We constantly do that to him. It's the same way I treated my dad. Every time he would turn his back when I was a kid, middle finger went straight up. Don't tell me, don't tell me what to do. And a lot of times we do that to God still, right? Like, hey, I really want you to be around these kind people. I want you to try and like, like I want what's best for you. So maybe like, maybe like kick this habit and maybe you'll, you'll see that there's true success. And we just go middle finger straight up. And that very person is the person that God died for. So, so when he looked at us in our hate, in our disgust for him, he said, you know what? You're worth it to me. 
And he came to this earth, lived a perfect life for us, the perfect life we couldn't live because we deserved sin and death. We deserved what we, we deserved. We made our bed, we got to sleep in it. And still God said, no, they're better than this. I love them more than this. And so he died on the cross. Jesus willingly took on our suffering. He died on the cross so that we might have life, not because we deserved it, but because we're a bunch of haters and he wanted to do something about that. What a good, loving, loyal God. And then he showed us its power when he was resurrected on the third day. He showed us that a sin can't keep him down and death can't keep him down either. And when he did that, he showed his said, his royal, loyal love for us. That love will not leave you. And friends, let me tell you this. When you are dumb, when you are an idiot, when you give God the finger, he is looking at you and saying, hey, I still love you. Can't stop me from loving you. Can't stop it. Can't stop, won't stop. Some of us have messed up bad this week. We've hurt each other, and yet we repent and we gather because God has a loyal love to us that's unbreakable. So let me close with this, friends. Moab had their own gods. Moab had their own gods. Friends, we are Moab. San Diego is Moab. You go outside that door, and there are going to be gods all over the place. There are going to be things that are telling you, hey, follow this. Don't follow that. Hey, those Christians, they're the most backward people I know. Don't follow them. What will help you, what will help you be happy is sex. Oh, yes. If you just follow sex, then you're going to be stoked. Hey, meth, meth is so good, you're going to be stoked for like five minutes and then not. Crack, same thing. Or how about this? Have people think really well of you. Don't do any drugs. Don't do anything bad. Just try really hard, and then people will look at you and say, oh, I like that person. That is the same thing. That is calling to you. Hey, just have everybody like you. And still, God says, I have a better way than Moab. Now, I've heard Tim Keller say this. He says, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. If your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. So those of us who claim Moab as home, who or what do we worship? We worship our feelings. We talked about that, right? Oh, my feelings just told me this. I woke up this morning and there was a beautiful sunset, so I knew that I should do this thing that's sinful. Our desires. That goes even further than feelings. I really want this. I'm hungry for this. I'm going to follow this. Likes on social media. Sometimes that becomes more important to us. How about fitting in, being normal? Sometimes that's our Moab. How about respect in the neighborhood, the way people look at us? How about progressive culture? I just got to follow the change. Everything's changing all around us. I just got to follow that, and then maybe, maybe I'll be happy and fit in. Our addictions, our families, sex, potential. Oh, well, I just know I'll be better down the road. And so I'm going to do everything it takes to get there instead of following God. But Luke 9, 23 through 25, Luke 9, 23 through 25, Jesus says, that's not the right road. He says here, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life because of me will save it. For what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits himself? Ruth found herself at a crossroads, didn't she? Now, you may find yourself, too, at the same spot. Do I go back or do I go the way of God? And I tell you, I found myself at the same crossroad. And I also tell you, some of you guys are not ready. That's okay. We'll walk with you as long as you want. 
You may need time to learn how to trust us even. You may need time to learn how to trust God. Now, Indian Dean of Theology, Santa Kumar, she says this, What made Ruth cling to Naomi when there was no hope of any kind for her in Bethlehem? No marriage, no children, no inheritance. She says the clue is found in 115, where it says, Orpah not only returned to her own people, but also to her gods. Ruth clung not only to her mother-in-law, but also to the God of her mother-in-law. So I ask you, which way will you go? Should you choose the way of Moab, you will find death. But God will let you choose Moab. Even still, I promise you, if you choose the way of Jesus, there will still be hardship. There will still be pain. There will still be loss. But it will be the most amazing thing in your life. I don't say this as a pastor. I say this as someone who's been redeemed. And I'll say this for the rest of my life. You put me in a job at McDonald's, I will say this for the rest of my life. What lies ahead when you follow Jesus? I don't know. Probably more death. You're going to have to die to yourself. Ruth wasn't suddenly a perfect person before she walked the road to Bethlehem. She just decided she was done walking with imitation gods. Now, some people in the room have walked the path of God, and they've stopped using meth instantly. Oh, my gosh, so proud of you. Some of you will walk with God and struggle to give up weed, cigarettes, I don't know, whatever enslaves you, selfishness, the other things you struggle with. But I tell you, it's still a better road. It's a better road with a much better destination. It's a better road with a better destination. The one you follow has conquered your sin and your death, and he will walk with you. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that you offer us a family that we cannot have um, with our own blood family at times. Lord, I think about um, my family growing up a Baha'i, growing up not knowing you, and uh, the day that I finally heard about you, your truth, and how freeing it was and how life-giving it was. And God, I ask for those here who, who struggle just even hearing your name like I did, who hear the name Jesus and just cringe. I pray that you would allow them to see how great your love is for them. God, for those of the people here who, who are desiring to go down your road, I pray that you would give them strength for that next step in front of them. And in this moment, friends, we are going to silently confess our sins before God, to even repent of our sins and say, I want to follow you. Um, that is something to be said about what it means to follow God truly. And for those of you who have no desire to repent, you can just be quiet, and then we'll, we'll, we'll come back in a minute. God, we thank you that you are willing to forgive us, that no matter how deep and dark and painful our sin is, that you will forgive us. And God, I just want to pray for those who have been really hurt this morning, for those who look to you and say, hey, God, if you truly love me, why did this happen to me? If you truly love me, why am I suffering so bad right now? And God, I pray that you would help them to see the suffering of Ruth and the suffering of Naomi and that you would comfort them in the same way you comfort them that they would feel your presence and your love for them. And God, in this moment, we ask that you would take our sins. We thank you that when you died on the cross, you took our sins and you threw them away. 
God, in the same way that, Father, when you look upon those of us who have confessed our sins to you and been forgiven, you see the holiness of your son, Jesus. God, I don't feel like I'm as holy as your son, Jesus, and I feel like I'm going to go sin in a few minutes. So God, we ask that you would help us to follow you more and more, not because we've got to be rule followers, but because you empower us to do better. And it is in that moment that we say thank you, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.